0: Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. My name is Dan Hughes. Our guest today is Chris Wallace, Senior Portfolio Manager here at the firm. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Dan. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, Chris, you're, you're two decades into managing small-cap assets now. And you know, really, what, what is going on in the small-cap world? H- have you ever seen anything like it? Does this remind you of any other time?
1: Yeah. It, what's interesting is it does remind me of other times um, from a price action standpoint, however, it'd be a different very different point in the business cycle. And what I mean by that is the flood of liquidity um, into US small caps and the performance being driven by the least profitable, the most expensive, and entities with the highest short interest is indicative of what you would see coming out of a recession. Early in a business cycle when you have a lot of stimulus, coming into the economy. Um, it's very unusual to see it this late in the business cycle, but there's been nothing normal about this business cycle since 2009, so we shouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's exactly right. I mean, we're, we're nine years out of the recession here, and if I'm looking at you know small cap today, uh, up 20% in the last year, up 10% um, alone in, in Q2. You know where, where are those returns? I mean, you mentioned liquidity, but more specifically, can you can you detail where those returns are coming from? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, it, you know, if you look at fund flows, the fund flows we've seen kind of quarter to date into U.S. small cap are not unlike what we saw kind of post the election uh, when Trump was elected president, and there is clearly a Russia capital to not only gain exposure to what is perceived to be a better growth environment in the U.S., but the most important thing is to get dollar exposure and get away from uh, the speculation around trade wars and the impact that's gonna have on multinationals. Um, So there's a lot of dollars squeezing into U.S. small cap assets. They're headed into the Russell 2000 in both the value and the growth index. If you can rank returns to date, and by decile on an ROA basis, on a short interest basis, or even a PE ratio basis. And what you'll find is leadership out of the most heavily shorted stocks, stocks that are unprofitable to having nominal ROAs of 1% or so are stocks with the the highest PE ratio. So it, it looks like just a good old fashioned short squeeze. There's no question that consumer spending's better than what people anticipated. You know we are having kind of the fiscal shot in the arm Um, and there were a lot of domestic stocks short because they're structurally challenged and that structural challenge hasn't changed but if your earnings aren't going to shrink five percent they may be flat you're going to get a lot of short covering and you're going to get a lot of price momentum and there's just a lot of traders that trade price momentum. Uh, but it's definitely dangerous to be chasing, and I'd, I'd be fading these price action more so than chasing this price action.
0: Yeah, you know, yes, yesterday we got together for a few minutes and, and looked at the performance of, of the of the Russell two thousand. It was amazing to look at the performance of those companies that have the highest short interest on them. Um, just for clarification, can you just walk us through how does a how does a short squeeze actually? operate and, and yeah. why, does that, why yeah, is yeah. that going to help drive performance? In this, yeah, absolutely. In
1: this yeah. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, we, we're definitely in the era of narrative investments. Um, and so it's easy to use ETFs, whether they're sector or full indice ETFs. And so, you know, prior to uh, the beginning of this year through 2017 the narrative was well you want to be the dollar selling off you want to be short the dollar so your long rest of world your long multinationals your long uh, large caps and you can pair that off by being short small caps in addition to that we all know that you know there's a lot of structurally challenged industries out there one being u.s specialty retail we're overstored Um, The consumer's wallet is getting pulled in multiple directions, so nearly every traditional vertical is losing dollar share to to new opportunities to spend money. And with that, you've seen the U.S. retail sector come under severe pressure at the gross profit level where they now have to offer free shipping, they have to turn every store into a distribution center, and they need to shrink that store base, move online, and delever their fixed cost. Um, so there were a lot of heavy short interests. A great example is Asena, which is a retailer that's definitely challenged, has a lot of leverage on the balance sheet. Um, it probably has 190 million shares or so outstanding they had 44 million shares short. And, and in the last you know, month or so, the stock has gone from a little over $2 to a little over $4 because you have 40 million shares short that's trying to cover in a stock that trades, you know, two, three million shares a day. So so these businesses are being shorted. Um,
0: The folks that are shorting these companies can't hold on. They need to cover their positions. And through that process, they are driving the price higher.
1: Absolutely. And at the same time, you have people just in general crowding into small caps because of the perception that they're going to be immune from any trade issues. Um, and the reality is, that of course, they're not. That's right. um, just not the way the world works. Of course, of course. All right, so short-squeeze companies, yep. well. companies are doing
0: really well. Most of liquid companies are doing really well. Companies with low quality that aren't making any money are doing really well. Yep. We're in the process of the Fed shrinking its balance sheet. We're yep. seeing liquidity tightening. Uh, interest rates are beginning to move what does that look like for a broad-based index investor in small caps world?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, momentum begets momentum until it ends. And when it ends, it it ends very quickly. Um, And just looking at the shorter term price action, whether it's a day, a week or a quarter, um, you can tell there's, there's no investment thesis to it. It's just get me this exposure or get me out of this exposure, depending on the news of the day or the general price direction. Um, Ultimately, what's going to happen is, you know, fundamentals are going to come back and they're going to matter. When you look at kind of earnings uh, growth that's priced in, you know, we're back to five-year earnings expectations at similar levels we saw in 1999 um, and the early 2000s, where we're going to be anticipated to be growing at kind of mid-teens for the next five years, which is you know, virtually impossible. I certainly hope it would be the case, but virtually impossible. Um, And while the Fed's been raising rates, it's important to realize they haven't really tried to slow down the economy yet. All they're doing is rate normalization. Uh, But I think what's underappreciated is that non-financial corporate debt is as high as it's ever been. Corporate balance sheets really are not in good shape, um, and so, you know, higher rates um, is going to matter. Tighter dollar liquidity is going to matter. Um, are you finding uh, not in balance sheet, not in great shape uh, as
0: a result of overleveraging? Yes. yes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. When you've maintained interest rates as low as they've been for as long as they've been mm-hmm. and liquidity is plentiful as it's been, uh, you know corporations have, have taken advantage of that and so, it's going to take some time to pay it down
0: so what happens in a scenario where you know you get two more raises here in 18 you get uh you know two yep. three raises uh in in 19 and yep. you've got um you know some of that smaller that smallest portion of the Russell 2000 that is way over levered today are we are
1: we yep. looking at scenarios where you know these guys are zeros oh there's definitely going to be zeros out there um there's no doubt about that I, I think the the key is going to be in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, if the rate of growth that we've seen out of U.S. corporations accelerates, which I really don't think it's going to. It, it's it's being priced to accelerate in the back half of the year, um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And the Fed feels like they're behind the curve. Then they're going to have to get incrementally more aggressive, and it's going to be a classic end of cycle. Um, I think the reality is going to be something very different. Uh, I think similar to the end of last year when we were saying, you know, global synchronized growth is disconnecting, and that, I really think that's what led to the sell-off of the large-cap stocks and global equities in the middle of the first quarter. Um, you know, the U.S. is not, we're not gaining steam, but uh, we have decent growth. Consumer spending is good. Um, there's modest income growth. that's offsetting some of the higher input cost. Uh, But there's no question that the U.S. is going to see the same slowdown in industrial activity that the rest of the world has seen. And while we all acknowledge that industrial activity is not a significant part of GDP, it is a significant part of the U.S. equity markets. And that's going to have an impact, Uh, as will higher oil prices. We're still bullish on oil prices, and they're going to start to bite. We've seen that start to happen. Uh, Labor costs are going to continue to crimp margins. Uh, there's no question that the tariff impact, uh, has begun to impact margins because it's just tightening up supply chains as people are, or, you know, trying to get ahead of the tariffs and pre-order goods. So that probably pulled some demand into the first half. It's going to leave a pocket in the second half and transportation costs are rising. So, uh, you know, margins are going to be difficult to sustain. Uh, And I think that that's probably going to be what surprises people.
0: So another big topic as we headed into '18 was tax reform. You know, I think you know one of the one of the biggest misconceptions was you know small caps and mid caps they do fantastic with within, you know, tax reform. Um, but you know there's a substantial portion of those both those indices that are, are not profitable. Yep. Uh, each hold a, a really significant amount of REITs and utilities. You know, um, you know at last count it's somewhat you know north of or approaching and particularly small cap, uh, 50% of that of the Russell yep. 2000 between those companies that are making money those companies that are REITs and those companies that are, are regulated utilities for the rest of that companies, right? The ones yep. that you're actually interested in owning uh, tax reform at this point priced in. Um, are you still, is there anything that you can, you can play off of that?
1: You know, for the most part, I do, I do think tax reform is priced in where it's not priced in is where the tax savings gonna is going to allow companies to reinvest more and just accelerate their organic growth. So you can be definitely be selective and do, and do that and i think what's really important to focus on and certainly this is how we're positioning the portfolio is we're not trying to chase some near term cyclical rally because stocks are less bad than what could be but they're still secularly challenged we're saying look we we are either in a very modest very long uh, economic expansion that's going to continue and our minds are freely open to that being the case Or we're at the tail end of an economic expansion and we're going to have to go through a little bit of pain here over the next couple of years as liquidity conditions tighten up and margins decline. Um, But at the same time, there are really good companies out there with real secular trends and real business initiatives that don't sport high valuations, that do have good balance sheets. And just via the passage of time, they're going to generate attractive returns. They're not going to be dependent on, uh, you know, more protectionist measures. They're not going to be dependent on the Fed, you know, stop raising rates and beginning QE again. And they're, you know, they're not going to be dependent on, um, you know, a, a, a disregard for valuation. In fact, it's going to be valuation which ultimately crowds investors back into these names. And so you're seeing,
0: you know, again, you know, to, to, to circle back around, you know, those companies with the highest valuations, really those really growthy companies, and those of the lowest quality are, are doing quite well, right? And mm-hmm. you know, Vaughn Nelson has an explicit bias toward fundamentals, toward quality. You know how much of a temptation is there to chase? Um, you know how much of a conscious effort do you need to make to stay in your lane? It's 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 got to be a real challenge. As you as you walk in here, you know day after day and week after week, and you're saying, you know, there's a bunch of garbage out here I would never own. Yet that's continuing to propel forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's. I think the key is you, you're never going to change what you do, and you, you're certainly not going to change what's been successful for almost two decades. I think what you have to acknowledge is. Uh, and ask yourself, is as, you know, well, what is cyclical? So what looks expensive because earnings are depressed, and they're really cyclical entities, um, and we have exposure to those. Uh, there's no question we have some exposure to those, uh, and they'll recover uh, via whether it's in you know the specialty chem space or or other areas. Uh, but we're not willing to just buy stuff because everybody else is or buy stuff because it has a short, high short interest and you can speculate and anticipate that you know that a, a, a price squeeze will, will happen. You know We're not going to do that because at the end of the day, we need to know why we own something, and it can't be because the price is going up and to the right. It needs to be based on some fundamental factor. Um, we've never made a decision based on where we think prices are going to go. We've always made investment decisions based on what we think the business is worth today and what are its opportunities and what is management doing with its capital because it's the passage of time that generates returns. And what's going to be critical, especially after a rally this late in the cycle, is not what your returns were at the peak, but what were the returns were that you are able to retain. And a lot of these uh, price action is not going to prove sustainable. No, that's good. Uh,
0: so, you know, a bit of a follow-up on that then you know, how much can this, this growth versus value uh, distance itself, right? How much further can it stretch? And, you know, we, we were look, actually, you know, the same conversation yesterday, we were looking at where flows were coming from. And, and for the first time in some time, you know, small cap value uh, actually experienced a greater flow in, in the most recent month than small cap growth. And do you think this is a bit of a, of a signal? Is, are, we, are we beginning to see a shift uh, underway?
1: It definitely could be, and what's interesting is, and, and that's why you can see, you know, that ETFs clearly have been the driver for the last several months. Is it's you know on any given day, it's either size or style specific, so either all the growth indices are moving, um, or all the small indices are moving. And you're right, in the last week when we've seen such significant outperformance, and it's really been out of med tech, biotech, and technology in general, you know, people are taking those profits as those prices have rolled over they're trying to aggressively sell those names and retain those returns and you know feeling the pressure to stay fully invested um you know they're trying to jam them into the spot that looks like it has the next best price momentum so we could definitely see a rotation into small value Um, which would be interesting because you know as you mentioned you know uh, a lot of that index doesn't make money um a lot of that index is Reits and utilities that are still very, very expensive. Um, so I'm, I'm not bullish on the fundamentals of any of the small cap indices. It's not to say that money flows can't drive price momentum longer. It's just they're getting very disconnected from underlying fundamental valuations.
0: Yes, yeah, small small value is, is becoming a bit of a misnomer at this point. So let's you know let's just walk through a hypothetical here. So if that happens. Um, Do mid and large follow or are they really behaving independently?
1: Right now they're behaving independently. I I really think, you know, that the strength we've seen in small value is being the benefit of the gains we've seen taken out of large. And I think all we're doing is churning uh, and we're going to continue to churn. And the difference being when you move into a less liquid asset, you know, it's going to have very sharp, significant price moves. Uh, But we'll get to the back half of this year and recognize that, you know, we're probably not going to grow real GDP north of 3%. um, And we're going to have some issues that we're going to need to address more globally.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right, so let's wrap this up. Interesting podcast today, right? <laughs> We've painted a picture of you know an economic slowdown. We've got big margin pressure. We've got tariffs. We've got energy costs rising, uh, in the short term. We've got rates that are moving. Fed shrinking its balance sheet. A whole laundry list of of uh, of, uh, of ideas that probably don't get most people very excited. Um, are you still picking the U.S. over everywhere else?
1: Yes, uh, there's no question that uh, we're picking the U.S. over everywhere else. Um, you know, eventually emerging markets are going to be very interesting again. They certainly are going to have a better long-term track record than the developed world. But until we get through this dollar liquidity crisis um, and get some of these trade war initiatives behind us and address some of the funding issues that China's experiencing in its banking system, every, the money's just going to flock to the dollar and flock to the U.S. Um, but, you know, I, I can't stress enough that In a market that's driven by momentum and kind of FOMO, fear of missing out, is when you're going to get the best values. So opportunities are developing. It's just going to take patience.
0: There's still ideas out there. They're just uh, a little more challenging to find these days.
1: Absolutely. Good. All
0: right, Chris, thanks for coming on today. We certainly appreciate it, and we look forward to having you again uh, here soon.
1: You bet. Thanks, Dan.
2: Important information. The analysis and opinions referenced herein represent the subjective views of Daniel Hughes and Chris Wallace on June 26, 2018. They are subject to change at any time based on market and other conditions. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any reference to specific securities, sectors, or markets within this material does not constitute investment advice, or a recommendation, or an offer to buy or to sell any security, or an offer of services. Natixis Distribution LP is a limited-purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers for financial professional use only. Compliance code two one six four zero four six one one. Job pod seventy eight oh six eighteen, expires one thirty one twenty nineteen.